Hi, everyone. You're listening to the 400 North Podcast. This is Drew Kapner. I'm here with Shadrach Biggs, James Winkler, and Grant Rasmussen. And this is the podcast where four friends compare notes on life. Sorry, Drew's laughing because Grant just dabbed as soon as he said his name. <laughs> yeah, Grant, we're going to have to ask you to refrain from any further dabbing. It felt, it felt right. I mean, it's 7.30 in the morning. We're excited to be here. The funniest part was that all of us were like trying to hold back laughter and chuckling. But Grant straight up like muted himself and then started laughing, like dying over there. <laughs> Grant, Grant thought it was so funny. Uh, all right, all right. You got a cold open for us? Fourth of July is coming up. What? was the best 4th of July you guys have ever experienced? Oh, man. I think I don't have any super great stories on this. Remember one time we put a firework in upside down and it blew up. I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. All right. Here we go. I'm I'm taking it. Um, So growing up, we lived in Colorado, and my uncle lives in Nebraska. Now, Nebraska has very loose laws surrounding fireworks. That's that's very important context there. So you can get a lot of stuff that is 100,000% illegal in other states. Um, now, I'm not saying I did any sort of contraband carrying, uh, you know, routing or anything like that between states, but I am saying that we would go to Nebraska almost every year growing up for 4th of July. And there was one year in particular um, that was intense. So like my, my dad and my uncle, they would each save up thousands of dollars to spend on fireworks. And we would go to stands and we would literally buy out stands. It was crazy. We would buy so many fireworks. Um, and then... There's this one year, so my, my uncle's neighbor, he builds his own fireworks. That's how loose these laws are. Um, he, he makes his own fireworks. And one year he made this contraption that he, we walked into his garage. And he has, his garage is outfitted for firework building. Like it was, there was no cars in there. Like it was just straight up like a workstation for fireworks. And I, I, I do have a quick question. What? Does he have all the speakers? Ah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not now. Probably I don't know. After this event, you might wonder. He probably doesn't. Anyways, um, the contraption that he had on the table was this giant ball. It wasn't like a sphere or anything, but it had like a bunch of different fireworks, basically just hot glued together, and um, there's stuff shooting out the sides and stuff. But he had rockets on each side so that it would spin as it went and he didn't balance it. So we put it out into the, into the cul-de-sac and he lit it all up and he had like hundreds of fuses, like all coming into one. So we lit the one fuse and it got all the way there and it started spinning, but because it wasn't balanced, it started, it started, it tipped over and fell on its side. And the bad part about that is because it had a whole bunch of like 
half inch mortar shells inside. And so it started shooting the giant fireworks that you see at Fourth of July celebrations, like up in the air. It started shooting those at us in the lawn. And so it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And we were just, everyone was freaking out. We we're just diving. It was straight up like out of a war movie because it was just blowing. There was like mortar shells blowing up in the lawn. People were like throwing chairs at it to like try and stop it. My sister. Wait, what is a chair going to do? I don't know. We're just, <laughs> what are you, you going to do? We run away and huck your chair at it to try and stop something. My sister gets nailed in the forehead with a mortar shell. It drops to the ground and blows up in her face. And it was just, it was basically just a war scene um, because this guy made his own fireworks and it went horribly wrong. I can't. Wow. Yeah, you came through there. That's yeah, uh, that was a bit of a journey. Sorry, thanks for going on it with me. Dang. I think I'm just gonna let that stand. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have anything to contribute besides. I kind of want to build one of these now. Um, I, I mean, I have other. I have another story, but it doesn't like it doesn't live up to that one. That one's like the best one. Maybe I should have not led that one. Yeah, you uh, you came on strong there. All right, I have a good question. I woke up and chose violence this morning. <laughs> okay, hamburger or hot dog? At a barbecue, like 4th of July barbecue, hamburger or hot dog? Both. You have to pick one. I can't. I would literally eat both at a hot at a, at a, Okay, like all right. But if you oh. had to pick one. Okay. Okay, I've been, I've been uh, ruminating over this. Lately, this is just something you ponder often. Yeah, well, to be honest, what happened was uh, Julia went on a, a work trip and left me home alone. That, that and yeah. I basically just made myself hot dogs in a pan <laughs> for like three or four days in a row. Um. <laughs> and, and as I was doing this, I was thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm eating a lot more hot dogs these days than I used to. There was a time when I was totally off hot dogs. And uh, you say it like it's an addiction. Yeah. Okay, but well, for context, Drew is also addicted to spaghetti. Like, I yeah, okay. more spaghetti than I think. That's another, that's a whole other story. Some states consume per capita. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, uh, look, I read some article on like Insider or one of those trashy sources or something about, you know, some... Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Some, well, we just call them trashy, so I don't know. Some A.1, some A.1 level celebrity. It's like Kristen Bell or something. Um, <laughs> and how they ate the same thing for lunch every day. And they had some nutritionist on there saying that it was okay. And so I was like, yeah, this is going to be me. I was just dying from the decision fatigue of going to the grocery store and like having to figure out what I was going to cook that day. Yeah, uh, that's fair. So, yeah, I just... I just, I just hot dogs in a pan. Well, okay. Well, dying. 
So during during college, we were living together. I would buy a bunch of spaghetti stuff, and I would make spaghetti every night and eat it for lunch the next day. It, it probably wasn't the best thing. I'll be honest. I'm past that now, okay? But for this one week, I ate, like, hot dogs for, you know, like, four days. And I got kind of sick of them. So it wasn't... Are you still sick of them? I think I'm a little sick of them still. I'm much more on the burger side of things. Um, yeah, and I was yeah. on the burger side of things for a long time. Grand, to answer your question, right now, I'm a burger kind of guy. But... I will never turn down a good J-Dog. Also not sponsored. But if you want to sponsor us J-Dogs, go for it. All right. I've heard rumors that J-Dogs buy their hot dogs from Costco. <laughs> Honestly, I might be cooked that. too. They're they're, they're just, they're, they just microwave them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or maybe they just pump like water into, you know how like some, like, now they're I not think there's a rumor that you can like pump it. water into watermelons to make them heavier they probably just do that too all right this whole episode is turning into conspiracy theories yeah i have seen them cook them right in front of me so i'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure. Hot dogs are props. yeah they just throw those away <laughs> uh with some of the conspiracy theories going around like it is this level of of intellect that is going into it Anyway, we are way off. Okay, so 4th of July coming up. I was learning a little bit about George Washington recently. And one thing that a lot of people may not know is that though he was born into a certain amount of privilege, he basically spent the first 20, 25, 30 years of his life getting kicked in the teeth. Um. So his dad wooden died. Tea? Yeah, probably some wooden ones. <laughs> his dad died when he was young, um, and later on, he was during the French and Indian War. He really struggled. He was not the remarkable commander that we remember. Uh, and if I was a better historian, I could probably provide more detail. I have some detail. Washington was sent to the Ohio Valley, now Western Pennsylvania, with some 150 troops. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep going. I was he sitting here. <laughs> I was sitting here going, "Oh my goodness!" Grant. Yeah, I was like. Grant is just a history guy. What the heck? Well, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like spoil the surprise. I didn't set it up right. Okay, so he was. He's in now Western Pennsylvania. 150 troops repelling attacks from the French. He was warned by local Native American allies that a small French force was like a few miles away, um, and he, George Washington led an attack with 40 of his soldiers. Um, but anyway. They had a little skirmish, and one of the French nobles was killed. And it was found out that the French guy was on a diplomatic mission. So, not a good move. Oof. Georgie. Messed up. Yeah. And if I, if I understand correctly, 
some horrific battle ensued in which he lost most of his his forces and it's very bad so today we're talking about hardships obstacles difficulties um And so maybe we could just open it up to questions we have for each other about any sort of hardship or obstacle, anything related, especially when it comes to overcoming these things and keeping moving in life. I would love to know, Shadok and Drew, this is directed at you guys, um, starting a business, you know, both of you, I think, have very marketable skills, you know, Shadok, you're marketing, Drew, software engineering, both of you could join a company and work a nine to five and, you know, potentially do very well. What was, and I, I you know, hesitate to call this an obstacle or a hardship, but what was overcoming the fear of being like, okay, like, we're going to go all in on this idea together and... What um, what were some key factors in that decision? You go first, Shadrach. Um, well, key factor is I, I am working a nine-to-five. Um, and being in the corporate world um, is is great and obviously or i guess not obviously i don't know i don't talk about it a ton with you guys but like i'm doing very well in the corporate world um and life is good uh but then, <laughs> all right hang on hang on so but, basically basically shadrach was like if you can't haven't seen the trappings of my life it's very evident <laughs> from uh, my mansion yeah from my massive two-bedroom apartment um in, hey but you have that nice shawl on and the yeah this 15 dollar blanket from walmart that's great um yeah so no but like i'm doing very well in my current position um and if you compare to like my colleagues in the marketing program from byu and like what they're graduating into and their jobs that they're taking like there's not a really direct comparison um and so like it's it's but the 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 thing about it all like i'm not saying any of that to like gloat or brag but like i'm doing very well in a corporate position but there is that something that's missing and so i think that um entrepreneurship is and this is probably a topic for a whole different podcast um but i just think for me um being at the head of that um, being at the head of that world is something that I want to do and want to want to build. Um, I'm also a huge fan of just building from scratch, and that's what I've done um, from every position that I've ever been in. And so the idea of building something and leading something, and I guess uh, I guess that's what intrigued me the most and wanted and like helped me get through a lot. So like <clears throat> right now with everything that I'm doing, kind of overwhelming, but like 
we keep moving because we just remember what we want. I don't know. We have clear line to our goals. That probably wasn't very well articulated, so apologize. That was also very lengthy. So I don't know if that answered your question, James. No, it certainly did. I, I would love to hear also maybe from Drew, like, I think there's amount of trepidation at least, you know, of like, man, like, should we really, like, would it be better off me just trying to, you know, get a cushy software engineering job, work remotely, you know? Um, what, I guess, Shadrach mentioned, you know, missing something. Did you feel that you were missing something? Um... Yeah, maybe something like that. I never made it particularly deep into corporate America, so to speak. Um, I think in terms of the decision, what it looked like for me is I saw the kind of control that I wanted to have over my life kind of my destiny um, in, in a more superficial sense than my eternal destiny or anything like that. But I saw where I wanted my life to go. And when I reverse engineered it, I saw that typically you, in order for people to get those, um, differentiated outcomes in life, I guess. You have to make some differentiated decisions. And so I was at coming out of college, a moment in my life where my living expenses were low. I hadn't developed a taste for, you know, an expensive lifestyle or anything like that. Yeah, the $15 blankets and the two bedroom apartments that y'all are making fun of me for. I, yeah, I, so I, I, I guess I viewed it as a risk to not do this um, rather than to do it. I got to that point. And just, it, just to speak to the hardship of it all a little bit, obviously the reality of it is we're very privileged to have been put in a place where this is even an option. Um, right, so parents raised me, taught me, got me a good education so that I could go to a good school, you know, university, helped me through university, um, still help with a thing or two here or there, and, uh, and really have made this possible. It is challenging. Maybe one of the most challenging parts is just telling people what you're doing because when you you know have graduated in computer science like me and people ask what you're doing and you don't say that you're working at amazon or google or microsoft or whatever there's like an assumption that something went wrong or if you tell them that you're starting a business it's kind of like there's there's like a a grimace that they give or something there are these, it's, it's actually, it's funny in a way because you watch people lose control of their face for a minute and like let their real thoughts break through. <laughs> and, uh, and you just have to kind of pretend that you don't see 
their thoughts just playing out all over their face of them thinking this is a horrible decision or, or whatever. Um, so that's tough. And then I'm talking too long, but for me in terms of overcoming some of the challenges, just the brutal fact that it, you don't make money for a long time and you don't see like a, a ton of progress for a long time. Um, that's, you, you have to like convert yourself to process is what I've learned. Like I really every day have to say, I know where I'm going. I know the process that's required to get there. Today, all I have to do is do the process. And then I just do the part of the process that I have to do that day. Um, and just chip away at it day after day after day. And constantly, as you miss deadlines, as things don't happen as fast as you wanted them to, to you have to kind of say, you know, no, I'm doing the process. I have to be patient. This is going to work. I need to stay in this so I can have time in the game and have that be on my side at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit uh, about struggle that I've learned through that experience. But, again, it's no, it's no tremendous struggle. It's, it's mostly just a, a good challenge and fun. Well, and I, I think a lot of what you said goes along very well with what Grant put in the chat, the, the quote by Muhammad Ali. Grant, I don't know if you want to dissect that because you're the one who kind of put it in there. Um, but I think that's definitely worth talking about. Yeah, I'm happy to read it. So he's, Muhammad Ali said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Was that a quote that wasn't particularly important to you, Grant, or was it just something you were aware of or had discovered? Um, I think it resonates with me because, um, I don't know, I think that's really important in life is like working without seeing a reward immediately um in all aspects of life that's like a, a principle like with exercise you like you don't exercise once and then all of a sudden like you're like healthy or like in good shape you have to like keep exercising for a long time in order to see any results or like finances like you have to be diligent with your savings and stuff and like if you save one paycheck or part of one paycheck, you're not going to be like done. Like you have to keep going for a long time before you see any benefits. Um, and that's something I'm still learning. I think we're all kind of trying to learn that, but delaying the gratification, uh, delaying the, the benefit of now for, you know, something better later. And I think Muhammad Ali kind of summed it up nice, like, don't quit, suffer now, and live the rest of your life as a champion. So, I think the time in my life where, you know, there's been many times that's been true, but 
example in my life and me that comes to mind is studying for the NCAT. That was like, you know, two months of just 14 hour days where I'm still trying to balance work and, you know, taking care of my body and my wife and, you know, being a good husband, but I'm just compressing four years worth of scientific knowledge into my brain. Um, and it was, there were moments where I just was like, I need to be like, I'm done. I'm not going into medicine. Like I'm just going to, you know, go into industry, whatever it was. But what kept me going was just the thought like, I, I, you know, I knew deep down that I wouldn't be fulfilled if I wasn't a doctor. I needed to do these things. Um, and I studied very hard and it, it went great and I got a great score. And, you know, I think that was a big reason I was able to have success in my application cycle. But um, I think very few times in my life has that quote been more true than when I was sitting in front of the computer in the middle of a seven-hour practice test, you know, just questioning every decision I'd ever made. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, so I ran the Utah Valley Marathon and, uh, training hey, that, for that. That was recent then, Drew, right? That was like two or three weeks ago, something like that. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was excruciating. Uh, <laughs> I literally, uh, yeah. I like wanted to cry, not not in like a good way when I crossed the finish line. I was in so, so, so much pain. Um, but but training for that was was really interesting because training for a marathon is a lot of long, slow miles built up over time, and it's just day after day after day of that, and definitely there was a point where I was like. I don't really like this anymore. Like this is too much of this. <laughs> and and I was kind of like, all right, let's just stay in it. Um, that's an interesting thing too because it's like I didn't have to do that. I I don't know why. Sometimes we set these arbitrary goals for ourselves and chase these really challenging things for no reason. Um, Maybe it's like our lives are too easy that we need some sort of artificial hardship or something. I don't know. I actually, here's a question for you guys. So on one of these long runs, I, I remember even where I was. I was in uh, uh, Provo, running down towards Provo Canyon, um, past kind of those intramural like soccer fields and lacrosse fields and stuff and I'm running 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 and I started thinking like why am I doing this this isn't helping anyone it's not for anything and I still I don't really have an answer to that I mean do you guys feel like there's purpose to those sorts of things or is it just some sort of is is it hedonism for non hedonists? <laughs> I I don't know. I think I don't know. Grant, if you have any thoughts, I'll I'll collect mine. Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting thought, um, and I I think you know an average person probably 
wouldn't even consider that. Um, I mean, like there's that quote, I don't remember if it's from the ancient Greeks or what, but like, I remember just for, for long periods in history, people had the idea, man is the measure of all things or something, something like that. So like, I know the basic instinct is to be selfish or to think about yourself, um, to, to find greatness for yourself. Um, so it's interesting that you're even thinking outwardly. I, and I think that's commendable. Um, and I, I don't know, I think there, there's something to be said for, um, I don't know. I think we all need to take care of our bodies and like be healthy and exercise. Um, I think that's a responsibility we have. So I, I think in that aspect, um, I think it's great, but I think there is something also to be said for accomplishing our own goals. Um, and I don't think that's like a selfish thing. Um, because I'm sure like the reason you wanted to do a marathon wasn't to like brag to all, all your friends, right? Like I don't like I just learned about this now. Um, so I think, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends on your intent, uh, on your intentions. If you're trying to do it to impress others, then yeah, that's probably not the right, um, right thing for you to do to pour your energy into. But if you're doing it to prove to yourself, I can do hard things, um, then I think it's commendable. No, it was for others. It was for others. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I walked the first twenty-five miles and then sprinted the last mile. Um, just to get a good photo and then, uh, <laughs> took a picture of myself biting the metal and put it on, uh, my Instagram, which I don't have. You put it on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. I put it on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I guess you're right. It was, it was for me. And I, I even felt a little bit weird. Like some family showed up to like cheer me on or whatever. Yeah. I think there's a, an important aspect too of, you know, finding your limits or like perceived limits and then overcoming them. And I think that will, that kind of ends up disseminating throughout all aspects of your life. Right. I remember my, my dad wrote me a letter, you know, while I was serving a volunteer mission for the church in Idaho. Um, he's like, Hey, open this on a really bad day. Um, uh, like a day, just nothing's gone right. Or, you know, a day you're feeling really down. Um, and I had a day like that and I opened up the letter and the letter was like, you know, it's like, look, I don't know what you're going through right now, but let me tell you all the things you've done in the past that prove you can overcome this moment right now. Um, and it was really, it was really helpful to me to like have this list of like, oh yeah, like I did that. Oh yeah. Like I forgot I, I did that too. You know, like, wow, I've accomplished a lot. Like I've done hard things before. Like that's proof I can do a hard thing now, you know? So I think, you know, in the future you may be faced with some, you know, impossible deadline, or you have to get some sort of, you know, funding for, you know, your business, whatever it may be. And you'll be like, man, like, I don't know if I can do this. It's ridiculous. And then I think you'll remember, you know, crossing the finish line basically and saying like, well, I, I ran 26.2 miles, you know, like I can do this. You know, that, that's, that's evidence to me that I can do this. Yeah. I guess that is an interesting point. Um, Full disclosure, 
I didn't get the time that I wanted, so I'm I'm back at it. I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> I was out there <laughs> running yesterday. Um, and the only Dude, you're just like Amanda. Is... Amanda did a marathon. She's like, you know, I'm done. Like I did one. That's great. She won. She did the. She was pregnant at the time. She didn't know it. And two, it was like an unreasonably hot day. Um, and uh, and probably a week later, she's like, you know, I didn't really get the time I wanted. I'd, I'd love to do a marathon in better conditions. I was like, man. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> is is Amanda your wife or your girlfriend? Uh, she's sitting right here, so I'll let her answer that. Am I your wife or your girlfriend? Are you my wife or my girlfriend? <laughs> she says both. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Keep the romance alive there. Uh, uh, yeah, I hey, remember that. That. That, next, that could be the next episode, how to keep the romance alive after two years of marriage <laughs> that sounds too spicy for me that's <laughs> yeah i don't i think i have to change the rating on this podcast if we discussed that we have one episode that's explicit <laughs> <laughs> but hey i think i think i remember amanda running that race that was utah valley last year right yeah correct yeah yeah Anyway, so I guess, yeah, what I was going to say is running yesterday, can't keep myself from it, chasing that goal. Um, I was thinking about exercise, whether it's running or strength training and the use of stress and strain to trigger these adaptations in our in our bodies. And I have to assume that the, the same is true of the mind, that if if you can experience uh, a healthy amount of mental and emotional struggle, um, you can trigger adaptations that, uh, that can be positive, that can make you stronger for the next thing, I guess, like you were saying, James. And I think that's, <sighs> things have swung pretty far in the direction of stress is horrible, it'll kill you kind of direction. Um, and I know the science doesn't really support that. I know there are some high quality articles lately where it's like, if you have a reasonable expectation that stress will make you stronger, um, you you will get stronger through it, which is really interesting. I don't know if you want to speak to that, James. Maybe you know better that. that um, no, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... Uh, there, there's a wonderful field of science that I think everyone should become familiar with called positive psychology. Um, a quick background for years, psychology has been focused on abnormality. You know, people who have some sort of mental illness, uh, mental issue, and psychology has been focused on why are they, you know, why are sad people sad? Why are mentally ill people mentally ill? Things like that. Um, and this this new idea of or this new field of positive psychology is a wonderful book called The Happiness Advantage that I could do a whole podcast on itself. Um, but this PhD in positive psychology, you know, they, they instead of looking for why are sad people sad, they look for why are happy people happy? Um, why, are, why are successful people successful? You know, and a, a, a component of that is to, to, you know, to extend yourself, to, to put yourself in situations where you are you know, there's stress. Stress, you know, is not a, there, you know, there's overwhelming stress. That's bad. You know, if you're paralyzed by fear, that's not stress. That's anxiety. You know, that's a call for some sort of medical attention, right? But 
stress daily that pushes you to be better is very good for you. Um, I, I have an example from my own life that was kind of intense where um, my wife, Amanda, is, is diabetic. She's type 1. And last summer, she had a really bad hypoglycemic event where she essentially passed out, had a seizure while we were sleeping, um, and we had to get the paramedics over. And it was, it was, it was very scary and, you know, not a, and probably in, in the most stressed I've ever been in my life, you know? Um, but, and afterward, you know, I, I was talking to a therapist about it cause it was a very traumatic event. And this idea of positive psychology of that, you know, that event was terrible. Like I would never want that to happen again, but I looked and saw how it had prepared me, you know, I'm, I'm very, I feel very confident in stressful situations now. Like I, I, you know, whenever a new stressful, acute stress appears in my life where I have to be very focused for an hour or whatever it may be, um, this event reminds me like, dude, like, you know, I faced down this horrific life or situation. It worked out fine. And, you know, I have these specific things I can remember. And uh, so now like these stressful events, you know, remaining calm under fire per se doesn't doesn't worry me anymore it you know it's made me much more laid back and much more relaxed because you know looking back you know again this positive psychology idea of this you know bad event but looking and seeing the good it did for teaching me a lot of lessons that i would not have learned in any other circumstance yeah i had at one point a pretty severe bout of anxiety and depression which you know tend to go together um and i actually thought i was permanently broken and i was like i have lost myself i'm not i'm not i'm not climbing back from this and i got back from it eventually clawed my way out of it basically but like staring that in the face that sort of crushing anxiety where you're, I mean, I remember throwing myself on the bed, just laying back, just being like, I can't relax. Like my heart and mind are just like racing, panicking. Um, and it was, I'm not saying it wasn't just that day. That was maybe like an acute episode within several months of this. Um, biggest thing that came out of that for me was like, just knowing what that is because I didn't know what that felt like before. And so when people talked about it, um, I don't know that I had like a really clear picture of what that was. So yeah, it just, I mean, I was just reminded of it because of what you said, James, about these moments preparing you for other things. Um, you know, it's been a big part of other people's lives around me here now. And uh, it's been important, I think, for me to know, like, what that sensation is. Anyway, you, you bringing up Amanda's diabetes, James, actually kind of brought to mind something. A lot of what we've talked about has been challenges that, that we bring upon ourselves. Um, but, but then there's this whole other class of challenges, which is probably the harder ones, the ones that come out of nowhere that blindside you um you know when you're running running along through life and they just kind of clothesline you 
and, and, and they feel unfair and you have to deal with it and figure out how to fit it in your life. I don't know if Grant, you've seen any of that in your own life or people having to deal with that around you. I mean, is there anything that, that you've learned to, to help deal with that kind of thing? Yeah, it's hard. It's, um, well, what you were saying, Drew, is I, I think you've learned empathy through your experiences. Um, you, you know, you learned empathy or sympathy. I honestly don't know which one is which, but, uh, let's just roll with empathy because you've, ex you've experienced, you know, um, anxiety or depression and people, a lot of people, you know, uh, it's, it seems like it's it's really common um and and now you can you know look at those people and say i know what you you feel i know what uh you're going through or at least i can sympathize with what what feelings you experience um and it's hard it's i wish there were an easy answer to to gain more sympathy um because everyone's challenges are unique, um, unique to them. I, I think it's pretty easy to look around and say, oh, I, I wish I had that person's challenges. Like their life looks so cushy. Um, but yeah, there's a lot unseen. And I don't know. I, I'm still grappling with that question, I guess. Um, because I'm, I do catch myself asking you know, why me, why did this happen? Or what, you know, what did I do wrong to deserve this? Or what did I do wrong to set myself up for this? Um, you know, why, why did I make that decision? You know, so I think there's a lot of internal, um, internal dialogue. I don't know the answer. Um, but I do think I do think that, I mean, I, 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 I threw in another quote, Albert Einstein said, adversity introduces a man to himself. Um, adversity introduces a person to themselves. Uh, you know, I think when we face adversity and we face hardships, whether or not they're self-imposed or, if, you know, life just happens or someone else happens. Um, I think that's when, we can stretch and become who like a better version of ourselves. Like I, I think Drew, you and, and James, after, you know, after that experience with your wife, I think you'd both say you're better people because of it. Um, I don't know if we'd ever choose to go through hard experiences, but I think at the end of it, you know, we can, we can become better, better versions of ourselves because of it. So I wish I knew more. I, I wish I had a better answer, but ask me in 20 years. <laughs> I'll give you a better answer. Well, there is, there were a couple of things that you said that I think are worth drawing out more. One of the things you mentioned was comparison, right? And I think that's such a big thing because in my life experience, comparison can run both ways. You can use it to, uh, to harm yourself 
or you can use it to help yourself. Um, I think like when you experience hard things, you have the choice of saying, this is a hard thing similar to XYZ hard things that so many other people have already experienced. Or you can say, this is a hard thing unlike anyone has ever experienced. This is, I'm the only one that's having struggles. And I, I am a unique victim in the world. And I, I think the outcome is really different. You know, when I, when I experience hard things and then I go and say, who else has experienced this hard thing? How'd they get through it? What does their life look like on the other side? And seeing that people can be okay and, and overcome really challenging things is an important, I think it's an important skill to develop that I, of course, am still working on to not immediately say, I'm a, a unique case or a unique victim, like I said, but to say other people have gone through this and they've been okay. And, I, and I'll be okay too. Um, and then just the other thing you said, which I think is related to comparison, is internal dialogue. Uh, seems to be a huge thing. James, do you feel like you have a really deliberate internal dialogue with yourself when you're going through hard things? Uh, I, I certainly try to. Um, again, another tentative positive psychology to just keep hammering on this is that, uh, you know, self-reflection is very important. Um, it, there's, there's a quote that I love. It's essentially that that which is measured is improved, right? Um, it's hard to, uh, you know, change your way of thinking if you don't know how you're thinking. Um, it's hard to change how you react to add, you know, obstacles, challenges. if You don't know how you react to obstacles and challenges. Um, so when these, you know, I like to, try to really think when these situations come up and when I react in a way that's either good or bad, you know, if I like how I handle the situation, if I don't, it's, it's important for me to think back and say, okay, what were the discrete steps I took that led to that reaction? What are ways I could change this? Um, and generally thinking about it and reflecting on it initiates a change in, in, a, in a future iteration of that obstacle. That's really interesting. I hadn't even thought of about reflection. Well, I guess maybe if there's to be a takeaway, uh, if there are people listening to this going through hard things, know that uh, we've been through them too and don't have all the answers, but uh, we're all humans struggling and figuring this out. To end on a bit of a lighter note, before we leave, what are you guys doing for for your fourth this year? We are going to do fireworks uh, with uh, Maddie's family. Going to do maybe a barbecue, and then we're going to pack up, get getting ready to move across across the country. <laughs> well, that, will that just be with her parents in Utah? Yep. Yeah, we're headed down to Utah. Okay. I think we're going to... And then you're moving to... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. You're moving to Chicago, Grant? 
Yep. In two weeks. Is Ooh. that right? Yep. Yeah, it's coming up. We're excited. We just got an apartment, signed the lease. Hopefully there's no uh, hidden surprises. So we're excited. I will throw out that we're moving because there were some hidden surprises when we signed the lease without looking at our apartment. Oh, no. What happened? Oh, no. Um, a collection of things. We have some neighbors um, that the cops like to visit. Uh, there's also... They're there's like a- friends or like neighbor, like uh, cousins or like... Yeah, well, yeah just we'll, really we'll, close yeah, with the we'll, police officers. We'll, we'll leave it at that. You know, they... I don't know, the cops knock, knock awfully loud for being such close friends. Um, but, uh, <laughs> man is whispering over here. Um, there's, there's also, like, a ton of wasps, which is kind of random. Like, like Texas has a lot of wasps, right? But there are, like, an obscene amount of wasps in and around our property to where, like, a giant one flew into Oliver's room. It was not oh. a great situation. Um, it's also a three-bedroom, which we don't need right now um we just signed so each of you can have a bedroom yeah like i i have my own room own bed everything else is awesome <laughs> fine finally right Moving finally right life. all of you guys don't have to share a bed anymore i know we've made it um uh but yeah so we're, we're just moving to a different place up the road and this place has been great the, the landlady's like such a sweetheart but uh it's just not what we need right now so we're, we're moving out but to answer your original question we're gonna do some fireworks uh on AM's campus which sound promising um so we're, we're excited for that okay so we need a couple of days later which is going to be awesome that will be awesome so what i heard uh when you were saying that <laughs> i imagined you and amanda going and buying fireworks and choosing the campus <laughs> as the ideal location to set them off <laughs> and i was like i feel like that's not going to play out <laughs> MDT so, so uh, arrested for possession of illegal fireworks on Texas A&M's campus. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole show they do each year. Texas gets a little patriotic. I can imagine. All right, cool. Well, thanks, guys. All right, talk to you guys yeah, later. Thank you. See you guys. All right.